Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. And when Pol Pot came to power in Cambodia, he wanted to turn that country into some kind of an agrarian utopia communist state. And to accomplish his goal, he began a, a, a systematically slaughter. He, uh, he one-third of the populations. To give you an idea, as soon as they got full control of the country, they marched people out from their homes out into the countryside. And then they abolished all institutions, closed down markets, banks, schools, even hospitals, even the very basic institution of a society, family itself in, in, in some way was abolished because people were forced to leave their homes out into the countrysides and all the cities and towns were turned into ghost towns. And then people were put into labor camps. Children were taken away from their parents. Husbands and wives were separated from each other and were sent into different labor camps. And then they round people up, those that had any connection with the pre uh, previous government and those that were perceived by them to be educated. If you wear glasses, you would be among the first one to be rounded up and, and, and killed. And they have a saying that people's life is not worth a bullet. And so they would not use a bullet to, to shoot and kill, but rather they came up with different methods of tortures and killings. They would take people by the thousands and force them to, to dig these mass graves and they would line them up in rows and they would take the back of their AK-47 and hit the back of the people's head one at a time and many were still alive. They would just simply push them into this mass grave and then bury them alive. They would take mothers with their babies. And excuse me for saying this, but I just want to give you an, an idea of what had happened. They would take mothers with their babies and tie the mother up and force them to watch as they would throw the baby up in the air and wait with a bayonet at the end of the AK-47. Sometimes they would take these babies and grab them by their feet and smash a skull against the trunk of a tree and then toss them into this mass grave. And those people that were not being killed off right away, they forced them to work in the rice paddies from sunup to sundown without food. And so masses of people died from starvation and overwork in addition to the killings that were taking place every day. And because of that, one-third of the populations were literally wiped out in the spans of four years while the Khmer Rouge in power. And literally, the killing fields scattered the landscape of that country even today. It is a broken place. Those that survived would have a story to tell, a story how they lost their mother, father, brothers, even an entire family. But the thing is, Jesus walks in the broken places of this world. Amen? Yes. 
Because as it's declared, he came to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captive free. And because of that, the message of hope and salvation is being proclaimed in the country of Cambodia today, and the church is being planted, and the gate of hell shall not prevail. Yes. And God is turning the killing fields of Cambodia into fields of living soul for his glory and his glory alone. Because of that, we're able to plant churches. We're able to train pastors and church leaders, as Pastor mentioned, also ministering to the physical needs of the people through building and operating schools. But the country of Cambodia continued to struggle because most people have never had an opportunity to hear the, the name of Jesus, much less uh, opportunity to hear the full gospel of Jesus Christ where they can be saved. As I tell the story of Cambodia, I tell my own story because I was seven years old when the Khmer Rouge came to power in Cambodia and I can still remember so clearly today as we were trying to stay safe in, in, in the bomb shelter before the city, before the capital fell. And uh, when we came out, we were met by these soldiers and uh, they tell us to get out of the country. And so with clothes on our backs, with, the, with the, only the clothes on our back, they march us out along with, with the rest of the people, with tanks behind us. So these masses of humanity was pushed out into the countryside. And I remember seeing corpses on the side of the road. And once we will walk out there for several days, and when we got far enough from the city, they came and they round us up and they put us in military trucks and they sent us across the country. And once we got to the location that they wanted us, and they came and they removed me from my mother. And I remember uh, being so scared, I, would, I, I, I clunked onto my mother and they yanked me away and then sent me to a labor camp. And of course, my mother and, and sister went to different labor camps. And in the labor camps I was in was for children ages from about seven all the way up to 11, 12 years old. But even as children, they forced us to work in the rice paddies from sunup to sundown and sometimes through the night when there was a full moon. And, and, and for food, we were giving one small cup of rice water. What had happened, they, they put a handful of rice in a big pot and fill that with water and boil that, and each child would get one small cup of that we would be lucky if we could find a couple grains of rice in that small cup of rice water. And so masses of children die from starvation and overwork. And I was able to stay alive by eating different kinds of leaves and barks and insects that I was able to find in the rice paddies to stay alive. But the thing was, in addition to the starvation and the, the, the forced labor, they would torture us. Every day around noon when it's the hottest time of the day, they would tell us to sit there in the, in the rice paddies and they would come by and they would find some kind of reason to select a handful of, of children, six, seven of us at a time. And those of us that are not being selected were forced to watch as they would bring these children to the front and they would torture and kill them. 
they would take clear plastic bags and put over their head and suffocate them uh, and kill them and we were forced to wash their faces. They would take a knife and slash open their stomach and in their chests. They would pull off their fingernails with pliers and this would take place every day. One day they picked a boy that was working next to me and they had soldiers tied his feet together and then the other two soldiers pulled his arm apart and then they went and cut a frond from a palm tree that has a sharp jacket edge and they tried to decapitate his head and we were forced to watch and I remember the, the, the blood, the scream is literally imprinted in my mind. And they looked at me, directly looked at me and said, don't turn away because you will be next. And this would take place every day. They tortured me several times. Like I've said, because of the, the hunger and to stay alive while working as they forced us to dig channels and carry dirt on our shoulder all day long, while we were doing that, we constantly looked around us to find something to eat. And so one day I saw a snail bobbing right next to me and before the other children could pick it up and because I was the closest, I was able to pick it up and I held it in my hand and I knew that they would probably kill me if, if I were to eat it, but I, the hunger was so intense I was so hungry and so I didn't care anymore at that point whether I live or died and so I ate that snail and sure enough the guards they came and along with their guns the AK-47s they carried these bamboo canes and they used the canes to beat us and so at that point they used the cane to beat me into the mud into the ground and then they tied my feet together and my arms behind my back and they dragged me across the rice paddies where we were working to the place that we would come back to sleep for a couple of hours it's about a half a mile away and once we got to that location they found a tree that was full of these red ants and they tied me against that tree and left me there waited until the rest of the children came back and once the children came back they untied me from the tree but my feet and arms were still bound together and they forced the children to to make a circle around me and then force them to come up one at a time and repeat a statement after them saying that what I did was against their rule and they, the children, they themselves would not follow my example. And after they finished saying that, they forced the children to beat me as a, as a form of physical rejection. The children would push me down and kick me and stumped on me and then I would fall, of course, and then they'd pick me up and sit me on my feet and the next child would come and repeat the process. Somewhere through that process, I was unconscious and I don't know how long I was out, but when I came out of it, all I can remember was the, was the thirst and I, I crawled to the edge of that ground, that high ground to the rice paddies and, and drank some water from, uh, from the field there and then they realized that I was still alive and so they came back and they beat me some more and they said, next time we will finish you off. But what they didn't know, there is a God that walks in such a broken places. Yes, yes. And even though I did not know and for reason that till this day I don't understand, he had his hand on my life because he came to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captive free. And you know, in that labor camp, 
one of the many thousands of labor camps across the country. In that labor camps, to begin with, we had over 2,000 children. Four years later, when the Vietnamese invaded Cambodia, less than 50 children were still standing. The rest either died from starvation or the killings that were taking place every day. But I was among those that were still standing. And one day, well, we were so emaciated at that point, and we couldn't work much less, uh, couldn't walk much less work. And so they dragged us and left us to die in the rice paddies. And so one day, bombs went out, uh, went off, and, and guns uh, went off, and, and there was shooting, and, and things were exploding all around us. And we didn't know what's, what was happening, but what had happened was the Vietnamese were invaded Cambodia and ousted the Khmer Rouge. And so, but for us, the children, we were out there, and, and those of us that had enough strength, we, we looked around and we found a hole in the ground and we crawled in there to hide. And after several hours, when the shooting had stopped, we crawled out and looked around and noticed that the guards, they were no longer there, they ran away. And so we were left to, to fend for ourselves. We knew where the village was, and so we made the journey walking towards the village and we didn't have enough strength to, to walk a long way so we walked a little bit and rest and then walked some more. And once we got to the village, the place was deserted and so we kept on going. Eventually we got to a provincial town and in that provincial town where we saw other people that, that survived and they were coming out from the different labor camps in that area and they were meeting in, in that uh, provincial town and all of us were literally walking skeletons. We didn't know what was happening. We, all we wanted was somebody to help us and, and we were hungry, we needed food and so along with everybody else, I was sitting on the side of the road waiting for somebody to come along to help. And as I was sitting there, a woman walked by it. And as she walked past me, she stopped and she turned around and came back and asked what my name is. And after I told her, she said, she's my sister. My stepsister, whom I did not know at the time. And she told me that she had three children and they forced her to watch as they torture and kill her children. And later she learned that they kill her husband at a different labor camp. Out of a family of five people, she was the only one to survive. And so she was glad that a family member had survived. And so uh, I stayed with her and, and we were trying to figure out what to do. And so in the group that I was in of about 100 or so people, somebody said, perhaps we can ex escape. Perhaps we can walk from where we were headed towards Thailand. And so the adults, they make the decisions. And one night, we made the journey. We walked at night because we had to stay away from the, the Khmer Rouge. We had to stay away from the Vietnamese. And we walked without food. But the thing was, we had to walk across a strip of, of jungle that was filled with landmines, and it still is infested with landmines. And I remember as people walk in front of me, 
and they would step on the landmines and they would go, the landmines would go off and I would hide and after the smoke had cleared and after the screams had somewhat died down, I would crawl out and I would look around and I would see uh, people got blown up by these landmines and they, these are what they call anti-personal landmines. They were intent to maim, not so much to kill and so many times the people were still alive and they were pleading with us to help and we couldn't help. We were in no position to help but we couldn't even walk around them and so I remember stepping on top of them as they cried for help, laying there, missing limbs. We just keep on going, those of us that were still alive. Eventually, we made it to Thailand. And that group of about 100 or so people was reduced to less than 25. And my sister and I was among those that were still standing. And once we got to Thailand at that point, the world have heard what happened in, in Cambodia, the genocide that took place in Cambodia. And so the United Nations were able to negotiate with the Thai's government and allow them to set up refugee camps. And so when we got there, they sent us into the camp. And after they gave us some food and some tarp to protect us from the elements, we stayed there. And then they started to, the, the United Nations started to ask different Western countries to take in refugees. And through that, I was able to find myself in Minnesota at the age of 11 years old as an orphan refugee. But as the Lord would have it, they put me in a foster home and my foster mother was a, was a godly lady and every day she would take us to, to the church, to the Assembly of God Church there in St. Paul, Minnesota and through that and through to the, the love of the people of that church at the age of 14 years old, I, ha I gave my heart to the Lord. Yes. And God came in and he touched and he healed me. Yes, the, the memories are still there, but the nightmares are gone because he came to, uh, to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the broken heart and had set the captive free and he set me free. Yes. And that is the very reason that I tell you my story, my testimony this morning, to give God the glory because he walks in the broken places of our world. You know, back to the gospel of John chapter 4. Jesus was talking to the woman at the well and the disciples had gone into town to buy food and when they came back, they were surprised to see Jesus talking to the woman and out of concern of his well-being, they said, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus responded, and he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And then he went on and said, open your eyes. You know, the disciples, they were not walking with their eyes closed, but they missed what Jesus was seeing. They missed the, the, the brokenness of the people. And Jesus wanted them to see that. And I believe he's calling us today to open our eyes to the brokenness all around us. We can walk with our physical eye open, but like the disciples, we miss what Jesus was seeing. Jesus had dramatically opened my own eyes because 
1992, the country of Cambodia opened its door to the outside world for the first time after uh, so many years of, of closing its border after the Khmer Rouge and then the civil war that followed. But in 1992, they opened its door because the United Nations were able to negotiate and, and uh, get the different factions to agree to hold the election. And because of that, the Assembly of God as a fellowship, we sent missionaries into Cambodia. And one of the missionary families, they were from my home church. Matter of fact, he was the one that led me to the Lord. And so when they got to Cambodia, he wrote a letter asking if I was willing to, to return to Cambodia and, and, and help them for a short time. And folks, I did not want to go back to Cambodia. I wanted to put that part of my life behind me and I wanted to be normal. But by the way, I don't know what normal is, but, but I just wanted that. And so I said no before even, to, uh, you know, have time to, to process and think about this. Uh, but, but they keep on asking. And so I reasoned within my own heart and my own mind. I said, perhaps I can return to Cambodia and bring a closure to that part of my life and I can come back home to Minnesota. And so I went. And as soon as I set foot in that country, once again, the memory started to surface. The memory that I tried so hard to put behind me once again surfaced in my conscious mind. And I thought about my mother, the mother whom I was separated at the age of seven years old. I didn't know, did not know whether she was dead or alive. And so with the help of this missionary friend, we began the search to look for my mother. And two weeks later, we located her. Yes. And when I went to, to meet my mother for the first time after the so many years of separations, what I saw was a frail, sick, broken woman. She could hardly walk. And after the shock of the, of the moment when we, we get to, to talk, she started to share with me of all the, the sufferings that she had endured, all the, the tortures and, and, and all the, the needs that she was uh, needing at that point and the lack of food even up to the point when I was talking to her at that moment. And I was just overwhelmed. As she showed me the scars in her body, I just sat there and let her talk. The following day, my mother excused herself. And as I've said, she didn't have enough food to eat from day to day, but on that day, she saved a little bit of rice. And then she excused herself and went and cooked that rice. And when she finished cooking that rice, I saw a group of Buddhist monks. They're in their orange robes, and they walked the street, and then they came and they stood before my mother's place there. And then my mother put the rice in a little bowl and she walked out there to meet the Buddhist monks. And every step that she took, I could feel the pain on her body because she told me that she was full of pain. When she got to the Buddhist monks, she put the rice bowl on the ground and then she slowly bent down and got on her knees and then bow before the Buddhist monks. And then got up and offered the rice to them, scooped the rice in their bowl. And then the monks said a quick chanting over her and then they move on and they believe that that chanting would turn into karma. And my mother walked back to me and she put the rice bowl on, when she got to me, she put the rice bowl on, on the bed there, on the little bamboo 
bed that I was sitting on and I looked at her, I asked her, I said, Mother, why didn't you eat the rice yourself? Why did you have to give to the Buddhist monks? You didn't have enough rice to eat. At that point, she started to cry, tears running down her face. And she looked at me, she said, Son, I have known so much suffering in my life. I have no hope of living anymore. And then she said, my only hope right now is that I, give, uh, that I would give enough rice to the Buddhist monks that when I die and reincarnate again, that I would not come back and live the life I'm living today. And friends, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as I looked into the face of my mother, I knew that the only hope that she had at that moment was the lie from the pit of hell. For the first time, I understand what Jesus was talking about. I understand why Jesus did not eat. I understand why Jesus said, open your eyes. It was overwhelming for me. And I did not know what to do. And I did the only thing I could and I knew how. To, I, I, I pray and I plead with God and I ask God and I said, Holy God, please do something to help my mother. Lord, please do something. I don't know how and I don't know what, but please do something to help my mother. Then the realizations that the entire country of Cambodia, every person was in that same condition as my mother. And so I plead even louder and stronger. I said, God, please do something. And then the Holy Spirit responded. He said, yes, Jesus had done it all on the cross. Yes. And because of that, I can do something. I can give the message of hope and salvation to my mother and the people of Cambodia, yes. And that's what he's saying to us today, folks. He's calling us to open our eyes. And yes, there are so many needs all around us. And, and at times we are overwhelmed even the needs in our own life. And we are overwhelmed. But Jesus is saying we can do something because he came to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captive free. And he's doing that all around our world. Yes. We asked, and I was asking him to do something, but he said, I can do something. I can proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to those that have never heard before. I can, I can bring help to those that are hurting. I can give hope in the harder places of this world. And I believe he's calling us to do that this morning. Would you bow your hearts with me? Holy God, I thank you that you continue to walk in the broken places of our world today, to touch broken hearts and to change broken lives and give hope to the hopeless, heal those that are hurting. And Lord, as we talk about the broken places all around our world, the broken place can be here as well in Salem 
Oregon. And Lord, if those of us that are sitting here who are hurting right now, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that would you, you would bring healings, that you bring hope to them, Lord, and restore them and then use them, Lord, to touch those around our world. We thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. Oh,